Welcome back to Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Adon. And this is our review on two shows that we both recommended to each other. First one, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and Troll Hunters. Something of Tales of Arcadia. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, is that, that is right. It gets confusing, but I'll explain why. <laughs> Spoiler warning, just get it out there. On our last review that we did, we talked about season two of Masters Universe and also season one of He-Man and the Masters Universe, both streaming on Netflix. Mm -hmm. You didn't see it on the time of that review of He-Man and the Masters Universe. And I did, obviously, and I gave my thoughts on it. And through that, you recommended to me Troll Hunters Tales of Arcadia. We'll review Tales of Arcadia later, but... I want to get your feel on this rendition of He-Man and the Masters Universe. Okay, so you're absolutely right. The way they took the take of it is uh, definitely different because instead of just sharing the power with like in the original rendition of He-Man, just sharing the power with like Cringer and then maybe someone else, they kind of like, I wouldn't say Voltroned it. Your example was- They they Voltroned it. They power (laughs) ranged it. It it, they, it it was definitely power ranged. They power Rangers, forced it, <laughs> and, and, but it was uh, actually like the Shazam family. He's like, I have the power and I have it, but I will share the power, and it expands onto those other characters, which was interesting that they made who would be the normally the sorceress, and they made her like was that Tila, right? Yeah, that was Tila. Cringer was like the exact opposite of every other rendition he's ever been in. He's like. I'm the brave one, but I'm the old one who has been declawed. So that's why I can't do nothing. Listen, you're a giant tiger. You slap someone, you're going to do something. And then Man at Arms was like a former... He wasn't the Man at Arms for the people. He was like a former trinket guy that worked for the guy... uh, For... What was it? Steel Jaw? Trap Jaw? Trap Jaw. I don't know. Steel Jaw sounds better. But anyways... And so they change their origins, long story short, and but it worked. The origins stayed same, but different at the same time. Yeah, you have to, once you get that understanding that this is like a retelling for a different audience, and if you look at it, especially today where we have the multiverse in Marvel, mm-hmm. and now the DCEU coming out with the Flash. And they kind of did that t- in Masters of the Universe where they talked about like universes and other like... It's just so expansive. Multiverse. So now you can understand it. You have to do that sometimes, I guess, if you want to get a different demographic or put another fresh spin on something. Mm -hmm. So for me, like the first few episodes, I was like, this is not what I know. This is not what I grew up on. What is it? This is so kid stuff. This is so, ah. But then I kept watching it. And it got better and better. Especially with when it came, the origin of Skeletor and his relationship to Adam, in my opinion. I was like- there was a couple of renditions that kept that very similar where like, uh, and I mentioned this, like Skeletor was like Adam's uncle. It's not like canon to my knowledge, but mm-hmm. I guess it can be canon now. It, but it makes a great dynamic. You see his uncle, th- there's like little moments where he's like the Skeletor we knew. And then when he fully embraces that and becomes Skeletor, he goes ham into it. Everybody mm-hmm. loves a villain that dives into his role. I've never uh, been like, there's a villain that's just too much into that role that I would like, he doesn't enjoy what he does. Skeletor enjoys what he does. And for me, I do like the Lion King approach where 
Skeletor is Scar, and Prince Adam is Simba. I recognized it. Of course, again, this show, He-Man's in the Master Universe, is directed to that Disney kid demographic, but it's still enjoyable that everyone can see it. And I do like the way that also, since we've seen this series, after the first season of Kevin Smith's Master Universe, that Tila becomes the sorceress in the second season, Mm-hmm. And here on this one, we're getting that right away. Kind of. She's still being the trained first... by the original sorceress, but you can definitely tell she's that's what she's going to be. And wasn't she a magician before she got her powers? Yeah, she was like a yeah, word witch. Uh, they things. called her a hand witch. And Evil Lynn was a word witch. Because, and it's basically just how they cast their spells. And that leads into the rest of the villains. And the other storylines, you don't really get like the origins of the villains. Or how they right. end up, how they look in the way they do. Here, mm-hmm. it's kind of silly in some parts. <laughs> how they end up looking the way they do. But it's basically, you have He-Man's power, which is, uh, I guess, power of good. I don't know. Did, did they ever clarify what the name of the power was? I, I, I forget at the moment. I don't, I don't, I, no, I can't remember. I haven't yeah. seen it for a while. I haven't seen yeah. it since the end of the season one of Kevin Smith's Master Universe. Yeah. So I know he had a name. He had a yeah. certain thing. And I know Skeletor's, I remember like vividly, is like chaos magic, basically. And which, because he just kept hamming on and he's like, yeah, chaos. But basically, what it does, it brings out your true self. And mm-hmm. uh, so, hence, you know, he became uh, a skeleton version of his representation of himself. You know, he's cursed on himself, but he, he decides to do a note from He Man's book when he wasn't winning, duplicate the same effect to his underlings but he does one step better i'm not going to give all the spe- uh, spoilers but do it, it that's what this is a spoiler review well, so do it because well, it also helps me because i haven't seen it in a while so it helps me to remember what you're talking about well, here's the thing like and this is why i like sometimes when they do renditions it, it makes it a more clever way so like you were saying like if you're if you did have kids and you're watching this with a kid you can follow along with the kids and but then you get something that's a slight twist and makes it mm. like intriguing to you again. The spoiler that I was uh, trying like to kind of keep fresh, but it's just, he he gives that power to Evil Lynn, Beast Man, Trap Jaw, oh. to like um, boost them up and make them look like how we remembered them as kids. Right. But at the same time, he uses it as a way to enslave and trap. So that way, he makes sure no one can ever turn on him. He's number one at all times. So it's kind of really cool that you get that because as you remember watching as a kid, there's like, yeah, any one of these guys really could overthrow Skeletor, honestly. And they showed it in Masters of the Universe. Even Lin easily could uh, overthrow Skeletor, even if he didn't have the power, uh, He-Man's power at that time and they were just on level. She could have toppled him any day of the week, but this gives a method of him having control, which makes absolute sense. Then it goes into where the sharing of the power, we saw that in season two of Kevin Smith's Matthew Universe, where yeah. now the powers are being shared to help take down Evil Lynn because he gives it, He-Man gets it to Skeletor and stuff like that. But we also kind of knew that, but that never really recognized it, but we kind of knew that it could be done because in an original series he always got the power first and mm-hmm. then he shared it to cringer correct but we never saw so, really skeletor's power being shared true now do you have a, a scene or an episode that really stood out to you so i would say and maybe maybe two things uh one when they first shared the power of he-man and they're and they're fighting in the gray skull and mm-hmm. uh you see like your 
fighting and they make a, a panther uh, like Cringer. Cringer. They're fighting all the other villains, and that's when he first turns into Skeletor. And everybody, and like they don't know that he, uh, he turned into Skeletor. They think he's dead. The other villains find him, and you you see that ominousness. And they don't really show him until like the very last moment. The I would say the second moment was when is it all like pivotal change moments? Was the moment where um, he shows that that he made everybody turn into his underlings. Like he's like, you have your team. You've seen my team. But I just upgraded them, get a load of them, and they literally beat them. So for me, those were kind of like good moments. I like when the bad guy kind of gets a one up on the, the hero sometimes because it changes it up. Mm-hmm. There were some small moments that were really interesting, but those were like really pivotal. There were smaller moments that were interesting, like the dynamic between He Man or Prince Adam and his father. Because his father doesn't know that his son's alive for the most part, and which is a big change of the original story. And he thinks He Man is a like an outlaw criminal. And so right. like when you have those dynamics, uh, like the the storm, and he finally fi- figures things out, and he still is like, "You got to give up the power, or I will arrest you and consider you a criminal." It's a kid show. 100%, but they sprinkle in some like moments of like, okay, this is starting to get a little bit heavy with their subject. I got curious about his mother. In all the other storylines, the mother is alive that I can remember. Never saw mm-hmm. the mother, and I think the mother was passed away, right? I can't remember. Because in the original story, like the father didn't know. It was the mother that knew, and she kept a secret as well. What about you? Uh, any scene, and I know it's been a while, but any scenes that right. you remember? I personally like when they transformed, and when they kicked in their power that's what yeah I mean. when they went go. to like their turbo mode yeah so it was a combo of when they transformed into their superior mm-hmm. being or their alter ego if you will and when they did their power move it reminded me of the old days when the power rangers transformed or when g-force transformed mm. and Deep they cut. say a phrase also when he-man transformed like all that that just came back to me in that way mm-hmm. and the way they did it of course this way is a little bit different like sailor moon but, got it yeah but their power move, it always reminded me of like, say, like in Street Fighter in 3D, when they you, when you hit the certain code a certain way, you get that special upgrade of a regular power, you zoom in onto the character, your character lights up, and yeah. then it goes into their power move. That I got a kick out of when I saw that every time. And I was like, and I'm like oh, okay, they're about to do it. I wonder how they're going to take them out in that way. You know the move is going to be what the move is, but how will the reaction be from that power move? The other thing is when I believe when Cringer figured it out, was it Cringer? I think it was figured out you you can call for your power without the assistance of He-Man. I think it was Cringer. Maybe it was someone yeah. else. It was near the end of the season where they were all like trapped and drowning in chaos. Was it Cringer that called it first? I want to say so. Everything was happening all at once. Is escaping me right now, but yeah. For those listening or watching, let us know if you've seen the series. Who was the one that called out their power first without the assistance of He-Man? And let us know in the comments below, because again, it's been a while for me, even though he did see it recently. There was a lot that, that went in my mind. <laughs> no, I understand. When that happened, I was like, oh, okay. So we they all have the power of Grayskull in their way. It's that He-Man or Adam needs the sword as a conduit the connection for him where everyone else different because they're all i guess that they're already connected that was my like i mean there's other great scenes too you're right skeletor he was a great villain for this series he He stole the show i do like orko in this one in a different way it's a robotic thing and yeah i I believe orko 
Yeah, Orco stand for it was an anagram of a. Uh, uh, you know, I don't remember uh, because uh, they also said that they used the memories of the original Ar- Orco, like the archives that they had stored, mm-hmm. and um, so he he was actually remembering himself as the original Orco, and so it was like a combination of like the anagram for the for the machine, technically Orco. The only thing is right. is like he thinks he's using magic, which he's just using the technologies that he has. Until right. he realizes that he's not like the OG original, but he still mm-hmm. tries to act like he is. So it, it, it's a interesting predicament about that. But it kind of seems like magic. He's just using like magnetism uh, abilities right. yeah, and yes. whatnot to duplicate a lot of the spells. Still, I mean, he was still entertaining. Again, if you watched Kevin Smith's Master Universe and then you watch this, you see like the the changes. It was like Man of Arms and Cringer switch soul. Kind of, yeah. Because Man of Arms has always been like the older one, the wiser the one, wiser. the seasoned fighter. Man of Arms here, he is definitely the more scared one, the one that is like is younger. So I agree, definitely. And then of course there was uh, the little hammerhead girl that's behind me that no one can see. She was like a ram. She ran yeah, exactly. so fast and she could run to things. But granted, in Master's Universe uh, original lore, there's a ram character that yeah. he jumps. So and not they, speed, he's not a speedster or anything. And then as a play on the, the name too, because I remember that because they introduced him on the final or second or last episode of he, uh, Masters of the Universe, Ram yeah. Man, right? So they called mm-hmm. her Ram Ma'am. So <laughs> I mean, you can see where that you can see how each is playing off each other because definitely, definitely, season two of Kevin Smith's Master Universe or was influenced by this He Man in the Master Universe. And then vice versa. Now, let's do our review. And this review, I think we should try it a little bit different. Okay. Instead of uh, ready for purchase, blah, blah, blah. For the people who have never seen this show, our first time listeners and viewers, is this a show worth watching or is it a waste of time? What do you think? I think it's worth watching. I would be down watching a season two of this. And I agree. I think this show is worth watching. I was hesitant at first as I progressed throughout the episodes. I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty good. This is great for families. Mm-hmm. This is great for kids who you know, never seen or heard of He-Man before and parents don't want to have that darkness set in like the original series, which is, is mm-hmm. pretty dark, if you will. Or the like the Masters. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Smith's Master Universe. And it's a great family where the young and old can connect. So for those who never seen Netflix's He-Man and Master Universe, you heard it here. We both recommend it's both worth watching. But now we segue into where Adhan recommended Troll Hunters. We're going to go into that in five, four, three, two, and so by the time we're reviewing this, I have not finished the first season. This first season is like 26 episodes, 26 episodes in where the following seasons are only 13. And this is also this streaming on Netflix. So there's like no real reason not to watch this. Unless you, you rec- have Netflix. Get, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Again, you recommended this to me. <laughs> and I was, what? what, what no, I'm la- no, I'm laughing because I do remember that conversation. But in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, Troll Hunters to him like a while ago. This is created by Guillermo Otero that he's done a lot of stuff in relation to scary lore or horror lore. Yeah. He's done a couple of kids things, but not many. Oh, yeah, right. He did Blade 2. He did like uh, um, Pan's Labyrinth. For anybody who doesn't know, Pan's Labyrinth, despite the name, not a kid's film. Just put that out. That's not, yes, that is not a kid's film. That is actually very borderline horror. Remember the scene with the bottle? Never forgot that scene. No, it's just the, the guy with the eyes. 
No, no. There was a scene where the the stepfather is uh, sm literally smashing another another guy's face with the butt end of a bottle, and you just see no, and they, they zoomed in on it. Right, I understand that, but I'm just saying the guy with the eyes, with the, you know, oh, yeah. the eyeballs in his hand, and the guy, the 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 main villain with mouth lit. Mm -hmm. open oh yeah I mean, no it, it was definitely but like uh but no but he, he's he did done, uh he's grim hellboy one and two that's what i wanted to say i kept wanting to say troll hunter i'm like no we're on something else so he's very into the monsters he yeah, did he, uh the 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 or lady in the, not lady in the water the water and the fish the love story between the lady no that that's not him that's, that's m night Shyamalan. was that m night Shyamalan? no no i'm thinking of the lady in the water uh, uh, with the tall grass thing that's M. Night. There's one where the woman falls in love with, like, looks like uh, the fish guy, Abraham, from... And it's not. That's M. Night? I was wrong. Excuse <laughs> me. You are right. The Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Yeah. Shape of Water. Water was I'm in the sorry, name. But M. Night Shyamalan did do something similar. I'm not a big he... M. Night fan. He lost me a long time ago with Avatar. It was like... Last Airbender. I don't even want to give it his full title. Because <laughs> Avatar is... is uh... James Cameron. Yes. Those who watch M, M, M Night know what I meant. <laughs> Going back to this, my initial thought is a good one. This is a, actually, oh. this is a really, oh yeah, I, I'm getting sucked into this. And I have to say I'm getting sucked in mainly because not necessarily the animation, the story. The story is typical. I will say yes. It, it hits a lot of, like the MCU formula, it hits a lot of the same notes of what you will get for like a, a heroic cartoon storyline. Well, you have... This character who is, he wants something more out of his life. Granted, he's in high school. He doesn't, he doesn't know yet, but this is what he craves. He wants mm -hmm. something more. He's bullied. He's not that jock. He's smart. He's not on any team. Yes, yeah. he's, he's in love or he has a crush on one of the top girls there is. Uh, his mom is a single mother. We don't know anything about his father. This is very reminiscent. Even though this came out in 2016, this is very reminiscent of Stranger Things. Things of that nature where one day it falls into his lap. He falls into this world that he never knew existed. Exactly. He's, yeah, he's the defender of trolls. Which is kind of contradictory to the title. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> he's a troll hunter who is... Helping and defending Hunting trolls. other trolls and also helping trolls. But he is actually fighting the dark side of the trolls, mm -hmm. where he's defending the light side. You have that. But what also got me into it was the actors, the voice actors. That was the thing I told you about when we were first talking about it. I was like, the actors is really what sells this, the, the story in the series. And they pull in some great names for actors. Oh my God, they got Kelsey Grammer mm -hmm. off the hand. Like, boom, he is amazing for this or he is perfectly fitted for this in the sense of his voice yes you hear it and you think of fraser but a perfect blend then you have anton yelchin the late elton yelchich hey, i'm sorry if i'm saying his last name wrong you know him from star trek uh checkoff right yes he was checkoff he was in terminator salvation where he played the young uh john connor he has an astray of Oh, no, no, he wasn't John Connor. He was uh, John Connor's John father, Con Reese. You know, I'll say like his loss was a tragedy because he'd yeah. taken well before his time in a freak accident. He was the main character, the main actor. Yes. And when that happened, I wondered like, will they continue the show? Mm -hmm. And they obviously did because they just came out with a movie. You haven't gotten to it yet, but the voice actor mm -hmm. they got to replace him, pretty spot on. Well, but I'm just saying like here you have like the list of talent in this 
series. It's pretty long. I, I mean, uh, I'm going to go over some of them. Yeah, go Ron over Perlman. some others. Yeah, we're on, oh, great. Yeah. I love Ron, Ron Perlman. You have Lena Headey. She's in 300. She's in Games of Thrones. She was in mm-hmm. also the the television show of Terminator, Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. You have David Bradley, who was also in Game of Thrones. You have Guillermo Totero. He did voices. You have Stephen Ewan. He he plays Steve, the, the bully. Angelica Houston. You have Yara Shahidi. She's in Blackish. Mark Hamill's in this freaking sucker. Tom Wilson. Biff. From Back, Back to, to the, the Future. future. <laughs> yes. There's so many names here. Ma- Matthew Watterson. He, I can't remember what he was in, but his voice for Draw. Great. Mm-hmm. Lorraine Newman from the original Saturday Night Live show. Clancy Brown, who is amazing. Tom Kenny, from who does the voice of SpongeBob. Fred Tescascore. I'm saying it wrong, but he's done notorious monster voices like the Hulk. Now you have for the best friend and the love interest, you have... Toby and Claire, I don't know who plays that, it's Lexi, and Charlie Sa- uh, Saxton plays Toby. I've well, never really seen their work. Oh, you have. I don't recognize it. I, guy, I have. Uh, Anaconda, but, for one. The Mummy. He, he was like more smaller parts. Like he he was a guy that right, would get okay. killed off. He did a part in the, the show The Strain. I don't even know if you saw that. That was a good show. No, but I, yeah, but that's also good. Guillermo Totero. Yeah, and he was also that's in- his project uh crimson peak i know some people that like that the claire character her she's done smaller stuff i'm not familiar with her in any major projects nothing that comes to mind anyways and even like when i look at it i'm like no all these are skipping past me i do not know her name anything else besides there's a lot of voiceover work for the guillermo del toro projects that she did though i've just looked at she did a lot of voice uh, you know a lot of animation a lot of video game stuff which Mm -hmm. is great i mean get work get the work Absolutely. But I can't say that none of these actors it didn't match the characters. I think everyone that was casted for this show was perfect. A couple of things that stood out to me was Gremlins. Oh. <laughs> you have one leader. Mm-hmm. The leader always has a mustache that is always drawn in. Like they, the little, you know. Yeah, like, like a little, like a like, like sinister kind of like twirling like, kind of thing. But like the old Looney Tune style. They can't twirl it because the sense is, is on. Is, drawn on by a marker but the leader carries the marker all always on them somehow i don't know how but they have it on their body and when that leader dies by a violent way gets smashed the gremlin that finds it next draws it on mm-hmm. and then they become the leader it's very simple it makes so much sense what's crazy about it say that i killed that one leader the original the predecessor the successor and the rest of the gremlins go after me says i killed that last one so there's that they're on that revenge kick yeah but also what's cool or funny is that say that that i kill the gremlin but i disappear and you show up and you're by the residue of the predecessor they assume it's you so you're screwed over and they go after you and i'm i'm safe i see where they, they had their own thing they have their own niche and i like it did you get to the gnome? The little like garden. Oh, gnomes? the gnomes are funny too. The, I, mean, I just have the gnomes. They're they're like they're like thieves. And the one where the gnome is in the dollhouse and they have the statue. Yes, uh-huh. that, where their hats become like darts. Well, it's one, because that, that, they they have like this one horn, so they wear the. Oh, that's, that's why, why they, they okay. wear the pointed hat. Couldn't remember. I was like, that's one of the characters. I mean, I I do love Arg. Man, I have very little words, but we find out why. But one of my favorite moments 
is when Jim doesn't have the medallion, like for a better word right now. Yeah, it's like a pendant, a medallion or something like that. It, it Or right. a, a compass, if you even want to, because it does have spinning dials. That he has a fake one and he needs to call on. He needs to say the words. He needs to change into his armor, but he needs that medallion for it. And he can't do it. But then he calls out for it and so hears him and it leaves the troll's hands, the bad ones that and it finds him. And that moment was really cool because it finally shows that the medallion itself totally accepted him as the troll hunter. And it is revealed to Claire, his love interest, it shows the other trolls that he's been finally accepted, even though he is the first human troll hunter, that he is now the troll hunter. I feel like I had a and different I, experience watching that scene because I, I remember that scene. And but I want to say- the, it's, in, it's in the like the, the woods, the forest is in yeah. it's at night. But and I want to say, wasn't he trying to get rid of it first before that? And it kept reappearing itself? I don't think so. I can't remember, but- and That might be something separate then. Okay. Maybe. But, but the thing is like, well, the thing, the sword, his sword will disappear. Like he'll throw away the sword and then it will reappear in his hand. That's once they hit his mark. Yeah. yeah, that's what it would do. The sword, the the, the which is daylight. actually really daylight. Good. That's the that's what really the sword's called. It's called daylight. Good. That's a good power. Let's just be honest. Yeah, like, no, it's like a boomerang without it necessarily coming back. It just returns. Yeah, it's obvious that they put money not just in the in the voice acting. The animation is pretty good, and the soundtrack. Uh, actually, soundtrack the sound the is very, really good. It gets you mostly involved with the music. Granted, it did not need to be twenty six episodes. <laughs> for the first season i agree but at the same it, time it, it like just, when it first came out uh i don't think there was a contract out for it to be like a season two or three so i thought it was like right. a one and done when they finished the season one well it probably was it probably they said let's just do this let's just get it out there let's just see what we can mm -hmm. do let me how many episodes you can get this in because the following seasons is yeah. 13 episodes per season hard was hard for me trying to get this in try to get this in and then watch another show and watch you know like book of boba fett and then something else and it was like Holy crap. Granted, it was very entertaining. And then it got to a point where at the find these stones, that's more of the second half of the yeah. first season where each stone upgrades him just like you would in a video game. Like, And then it gets into the part where his best friend Toby and his love interest are getting their own powers. They're becoming part of the of the pack. Kind of like what we did, we saw here with He-Man, the Master of the Universe. Kind of, yeah. And others like that. So they, you know, they get their own niche. I have to say, your recommendation, I like it. it. I'm hooked. He hasn't even gotten into the spinoffs. <laughs> I know. When I saw that there's a whole world, because I put in Troll Hunters, and then yeah. there's like this, that, this, that. I'm like, I'm like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I was like, I didn't know. For one, I didn't know it was done in 2016. And, and, and that's the tricky thing about a computer animation. Sometimes like it holds up, but a lot of times it doesn't over time. And for being... Mm -hmm six years old now i think the animation did held up considering oh definitely pretty much what we see now do you remember at all from the first season i remember a lot it's been a while so i remember a lot of stuff it's just that mm, i get worried i might be remembering season two do you uh did they go into the parts about changelings well mr stickler yes uh that he's a changeling the other lady who was a changeling the baby is a changeling exactly which the baby is a funny character Oh, he was great. I, I can't yeah. remember his name right now, but yeah, he is awesome. Mm -hmm. He's like, uh, oh, I like the part where <laughs> Toby's floating and, he's, <laughs> and, and Toby's trying to get for help. He said, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. And he, he gets a, grabs a phone and takes a selfie of Toby floating. 
<laughs> I was like, what a dick. What a dick. <laughs> he was like, and so, and uh, yeah. like you said, they built a world and <laughs> it's not centralized. It, it kind of is centralized uh, um, with the main character. But when they start doing the spinoffs in the other seasons, they show how the importance of those other characters are like how Claire is important, how Toby's important. The the school teacher and counselor are important. Even the bully and the, mm -hmm. the coach have important roles in this uh, show. You see growth with almost every character, which is very difficult. Mm -hmm. the, even a bully grows. You can honestly skip probably like three below, but you don't want to. The interesting part about it, they do the spinoff of three below in the middle of the storyline of one of the seasons. So they introduce the characters in, as the side characters in one of the seasons of Troll Hunters. So mm -hmm. there's a completely different storyline that's happening with these characters at the same time. And when you watch it, so, you, you get two separate perspectives of what's happening at the same time. Okay, so does it tell you that on the at the end of episode, watch this or no? No, well, because the the season came out at a different time frame. So Whoa. so like you had Troll oh, Hunters man. at one time and then you had three below. You can gauge it by the year and just remember like so, uh, Troll Hunters is a little bit for, for before. But then when you watch that and you, you're like, oh, you know what? I wasn't asking that question, but it fills in that gap and makes more sense. Toby's grandmother plays a very interesting role in three below. And it pays off because everything culminates. All these uh, shows all culminate for the movie that they just came out with. So... If you're going to watch the movie, then yeah, you definitely want to delve in more into those. But the Wizards mm -hmm. one, that's like the end arc of the Troll Hunters when they're, they're talking about Wizards of Arcadia. And then Wizards of Arcadia, for the most part, like the first half of that is just Toby, Claire, and a new character and the bully. But the first season was had Fancy Brown. Fantastic. Come on. For the first season, he is your villain that you want to have. He is such an intimidating character. As you're going through that, I'm just looking over the voice acting again and again, like... You have so many actors here mm -hmm. that share their voices, and you have Loki's in one episode. Uh, Tom Hiddleston, yeah, he's true. in one episode. I don't remember because I mean I'm just going through it. It's like, what, what, what episode was that? I was like, because unfortunately, I don't tell you which episode it was on. Yeah, I don't think on IMDb, but they have that, and then you also have the guy from. Um, oh, and that reminds me, I was wrong about Wallace Shawn when I was quoting Wallace Shawn. Wait, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Wallace Shawn, the guy from Princess Bride, it's inconceivable. He's in this. I was like Diego Luna. From Rogue One, mm -hmm. amazing how many people got into this series. Something that I never heard of until you told me. Yeah. Or it, reminded me. Well, here's the thing. Like when the season one first came out, that was one of the things that blew my mind because I didn't look at the casting. I just like turned it on. And then mm -hmm. when I first heard, you know, Clancy Brown didn't surprise me. He's done tons of voiceover work and he's great as a villain. So like I'm not surprised. But when I heard Kelsey Grammer, Frazier, I was like, wow. They pulled him in. And then when I heard his character's brother, they grabbed Mark Hamill, which, you know, Mark Hamill has a tendency. He'll choose characters because they're fun and it's not the Joker. You're not getting the Joker out of this portrayal. I got to see now. I got a reminder which one that was. But granted, now on IMDb, I just figured out how to find out which episode they were on because mm -hmm. there's a info circle right next to their name. And you hit it and it tells you which episodes they were in. All right, we're going on because I can go for this for a long time. Before we go into one thing, I have to ask, what do you think about the action you've seen so far? 
believable, likable. It's not far-fetched, even though it's animated. In that kind of world, mm -hmm. you have to accept the unbelievable, but they're pretty rounded in that world, in reality, mm -hmm. you know, even though there's no th such thing as trolls. Or maybe there is now. <laughs> well, but, I mean, like uh, when you're looking at like the action sequences and the in dynamics, like when we were looking at He-Man well, Masters of okay, Universe. Okay, here we go. Okay, so I just saw where it is very entertaining. I just saw the episode where Arg is cut and he's turning slowly into stone. And so Droll and Jim have to fight to do this game. It's a variation of basketball. And Droll gets hit hard. And you're like, yeah, I can feel that. <laughs> so it was kind of believable, even though it was by trolls hitting trolls because he thought he was dead. That's how hard he got hit. I yeah. was like, yeah, I can see how. <laughs> we know those moments too well. Yeah, I think the movements, the sword movements, I think is done very well. I think they capture, well, again, you have Guillermo del Toro. He directed Blade Two, which is an amazing martial art film. Absolutely. The mm -hmm. martial arts in that, done very well. And plus you have Wesley Snipes, who is a black belt in karate. You have Donnie Yen, who's in it. And you have the villain, who is, a, I can't remember his name right now, but he's an established martial artist. He's actually one of the fighters in Jet Li's Unleashed. Wait, uh, you're not thinking of Scott Atkins. You're thinking of the other guy. No. Uh, he played no, Frankenstein he, in another movie. Mm -hmm. He's bald-headed. Yeah. They, they have a fight scene. He has a fight scene with Jet Li in the bathroom. Oh, that was him. Uh, yeah. And he's done Death Race 2000 as like a spinoff of a- Death uh, Race. No, but the um, the, 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 the guy, uh, Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we rate this. I have to say this is a worth the watch. I don't know if you want to do season two, three, four, and all those spinoffs. <laughs> and yourself, you think, well, shit, you just saw the freaking last movie. I think it's for you. I can say, say worth the time. I, I, I think it's worth the time for me. I literally just saw the movie. I didn't even know they were having a movie. So when they came out, it culminated all the stories into the final chapter and it literally mm -hmm. closes off the final chapter of the series i didn't know though this was like a book also by Guillermo Totoro. i wouldn't be surprised because that was a similar thing ha happened when he did strain so the strain was a series uh but he also did a, a book and a graphic novel that shows range in my eyes mm -hmm. like he like to go from like still kind of in the world of like kind of horror-ish with the concept of like these are trolls there's like monsters and stuff like that but to make it kid friendly arguably great yes that's a good that's a good range yeah there was not one time where i was like scared or jump out of my seat like you feel concerned that like if a child is watching this you may be like this is gonna be something yes totally fine yeah yeah there are some moments like okay granted the gremlins was kind of a little, <laughs> it's a little, it's like, oh, a little crawl up your sleeve. Like you have yes. to look underneath your bed. But they but, are softer than like your gremlins that we grew up with. Right. They just, you just pop them. They just explode like a water balloon. But again, if I saw them crawling down a wall, okay. Yeah. I'll be a little Cause they're uh, like frightened. They're like spiders. Yeah. Huge Ever. spiders. Exactly. They uh, just go all over the place. Besides that. Oh, and I, and also the, the villain in season or the second half of Angor Rot. Great voice. Yeah, no, he, great voice. I thought it was someone else, but it was not. It was a um, he's Ike a fantastic a, a, a villain. Maddie. Yes, he is a great villain. When he marks Jim and he calls out for the calls out for daylight. Wait, is that like that's season two or the second half of season one? The second half. Oh wow, see, okay. that's what I'm telling you. See, yeah, the second half. See, well, right? because and his character goes all the way into 2018, so I guess they bring his character back a few times. Yeah, he's a very intimidating character. I mean, you do kind of feel sorry for him. Mm -hmm. when he doesn't regain his soul. Oh, yeah. Then he just goes ballistic. I have to say thank you for letting me know about this and go to hell for getting me trapped into this world because <laughs> now I'm locked in. I can't, now I'm hooked into this. I can't not 
watch and finish the series and the spinoffs and all that stuff since it's out there. You want to see what happens though. So thanks a lot. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, that's going to be it for us. So if you have seen Troll Hunters, what was your favorite episode? What was your favorite moment? What do you look forward to? If you did finish it, is it worth the time or is it a waste of time? Please let us know. And as always, please subscribe, hit that like button, and also follow us on Instagram on Tales of Two Bros. Until next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adan. Love you, bro. Love you.